Hi, I'm Paul Comfort. Welcome to this edition of Transit Unplugged. Today we talk with Brad Thomas, the CEO of First Transit. First Transit is a large company that operates paratransit, fixed route, airport shuttle, campus shuttles all over North America. We'll ask Brad about the size of his company, the history of his company, and also what the role is of private contracting in our public transit business. All here today on this edition of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. Hi, I'm Paul Comfort. Welcome to our national podcast, Transit Unplugged. Today, I'm excited to have with me as our guest, Brad Thomas, the president of First Transit. We were just talking a minute ago. I think Brad is the longest serving CEO of one of our transit partners uh, who run contract agencies in the country. Welcome, Brad. And nice to be here, Paul. Yeah, so um, uh, Brad, tell us about yourself some and, uh, and your background and how did, how did you end up as CEO of First Transit, one of the biggest companies in the world? Uh, it's always an interesting story. I, I think uh, nobody, nobody plans really to, to, to uh, necessarily to, to get into this business. It always seems like you have an uh, interesting story. Everyone has, has their own. Um, I actually started uh, just out of grad school uh, doing uh, grants administration in the healthcare industry, believe it or not. And uh, I was, uh, you know, reading the paper one day back when you used to see, read the classifieds, and okay. I saw an opportunity for a grants administrator for a small transportation company in upstate New York. I'd gone to college in upstate New York. Where, um, where at? All my girls I'd, uh, I'd gone to uh, uh, Cortland State for undergrad and Binghamton University for grad school. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Once you get your uh, grad degree? Uh, public administration. Okay. Yeah. So um, I had just gotten out of there, really, and I'd been working, uh, like I say, working in the healthcare industry a little bit. And I saw this ad for a grants administrator job, so I, uh, I uh, called on it, interviewed. It was a small transportation company, upstate New York. Uh, they had about uh, four contracts at the time, okay. I think. Um, and uh, they hired me. And I think, uh, you know, I was, I was probably the first, uh, certainly the first uh, grants administrator they had had. Um, at the time, we were working in a lot of uh, large rural communities, um, and we were creating transit systems uh, in these communities. And um, they didn't really have the infrastructure, the staff, or the resource, um, the, the clients didn't, to really uh, handle all of the grant work and all of the contract work and all of that that went behind it. Um, so we would come in and, and basically say, listen, we'll not only run your system, but we'll also do all of the other work. So we'll we'll oh, we'll administer okay. all the grant work. Yeah, yeah. We'll work with the contracts. And you were the guy that did it. I was the guy <laughs> that did it. Yeah. So I used to, uh, you know, uh, basically we would prepare all the grant work for uh, these uh, communities, both the urban and sometimes they got or rural, and sometimes you got a little bit of urban money as well, um, urban uh, grant funding. Uh, so I did that, and it was a really great opportunity because um, I got in on the uh, ground floor of a very small organization. It it allowed me to do a little bit of everything. Um, I started doing grants and I started doing contracts and then I negotiated some union agreements. I did things like that early on. Um, but then, uh, you know, it was such a small organization and we were growing that it, it really it allowed me to get into all sorts of things. And, you know, uh, before I knew it, I was uh, I was working in operations. So I got into, uh, you know, to that part of the business as well. And um, 
and like I say, it was it was an inter- it was interesting in the sense that uh, I got a little taste of everything. So I, I you know, and then as the company grew, um, I grew. Um, so ultimately, what was the name of the company? If you can say that company was uh, called uh, Progressive Transportation Services, uh, which was upstate yeah. New York. Yeah, I remember that. We did. We had a few that. contracts. We had uh, Duchess County, New York, Clinton yep. County, New York. I bid against you, I think, in Duchess. Is that I right? was with Mayflower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we still have that contract today. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. We did. yeah. And uh, and Shimon County, Shimon County, which was really uh, the or kind of the heart of the company, and and uh, where I started, uh, my office was. Um, so I did that for uh, you know we, we we did that for a while, and we you know, we grew the company, and before you knew it, we had five contracts, maybe and six contracts, and. Um, we kept growing, and, and one day uh, we got a call from uh, a company named uh, uh, Coach USA. Okay, yeah. Coach USA was rolling up uh, transportation companies around the country. Yes. Mostly charter and tour and some taxi companies, and uh, but they were interested in some uh, transit as well. So um, we got in uh, to that roll-up, about I think it was on the second round, and uh, that was 1996. And uh, we started operating under the name Coach USA Transit Services. And... Um, and what Coach did smartly, I think, at the time was all of these little companies that they had bought um, had a lot of tour and a lot of charter, but they always had these little transit contracts. Oh, when I got this transit contract, I had yeah. this little contract. Yeah. I don't know what to do with it. I, I just got it, you know, kind of thing. And, yeah, yeah. And, and they did, yeah. And so what they did smartly, I think, is they said, you know what, we're going to centralize all that. We're going to put those all together. So we took all of those contracts, plus all the contracts that Progressive brought to the table together, and we made Coach USA Transit Services. Oh, so I, I that was you. That was us. That's wow. right. That was us. And that That's was cool. uh, from 1996 uh, on till about uh, 1999. We kind of grew that, and uh, really had a great time. We were, you know, a smaller company, but we were you know, had a national footprint, which was nice with all of these different contracts all over. And then in, in 1999, Stagecoach came and uh, and uh, came calling, and uh, they bought all of Coach USA. Okay. And uh, so then we started operating again. We kept the name Coach USA, but it was a stagecoach company. And uh, we continued on again, growing. And then in uh, in uh, 2000, um, I became the president of Coach USA Transit Services, which okay. is a small transportation. Like I say, it's a small, smaller compared to today, but it was quite big then, certainly for me. Um, and uh, I took over there as president in 2000 uh, of that division. And uh, Ran that division for about three years, and then in 2003, First Group came along, and First Group bought the transit division of Coach USA. Okay, because Co- uh, Stagecoach at the time was selling some of their uh, some of the organiza- exiting some of the organizations and selling. So, um, so First uh, was able to buy the division that I was uh, running, and that was great. And I came on there, and uh, I actually took over the East region. For first, uh, first group, first transit, and uh, ran the East Region, uh, which was uh, which was a you know, big business, yeah. you know, just in, yeah. in and of itself, um, and uh, ran that division uh, from about 2003 until 2009. When did you all buy ATE? How did they get involved? Oh, geez, no. Well, ATE, ATE is the first. That's the first company. That's uh, that's 1955 ATE. So that was you know really that was uh, that was. Um, Dave Ringo, really, in the, the start of the company. Okay, um, yeah. But through the years, Pete you know, Kuiper, my buddy, we used uh, to work with you all and all that. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, the, you know, it's amazing because I, you know, I tell my story of just how many times they, were, you know, we were sold, we were bought, we were sold, we were bought, 
Um, but that happened all over the industry. So it everyone's did. got their stories, you yes. know, don't they? You, know? you bought my company, Laidlaw. I think every, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So yeah, that's right. That's right. So two thousand, yeah. So two thousand seven, uh, first bought Laidlaw, um, and really ultimately doubled the size of uh, the transit uh, division. And that includes Greyhound, right? It did. We bought uh, Greyhound, and we also bought the school bus division. Right. So it really, uh, it was a massive acquisition in 2007. And then did you split off school to become like first student? First student, yeah. It was uh, first student operates separately as a yellow bus uh, contracting contracting division, and uh, Greyhound operates separately. Okay. uh, But you still own that? We still own it. First group owns it. There's actually five divisions of first group. So there's two. There's a bus division and a rail division in the UK, and then there's Greyhound, school bus, and transit. Okay. In uh, in the U.S. So, so first, is a is it a publicly traded company? In it is or, London yeah. Exchange. Okay. Yep, yep it, we are, and uh, um, so yeah, we uh, we're we're uh, a UK uh, company, but mm-hmm. uh, we have a headquarters here in uh, Cincinnati, which is where I operate from. I was going to ask you about that. So you have family there and all that? Or? I do actually. I you know I was born and uh, raised outside of uh, just north of New York City in the Hudson Valley, and I went to college upstate. And I stayed upstate for the job, so I, I kind of lived upstate for a bunch of years. I uh, met my wife, and, uh, and we had a couple of kids up there. And then uh, this job, uh, this promotion came in 2009, and they asked me to move to Cincinnati. And we uh, so we moved in 2009, and I got to tell you, we absolutely love it. We love it. We love the Midwest. We love Cincinnati. Uh, it's been fantastic for the family and, and for uh, and for me as, as a career move. It was a, you know, it was a it was a good move. That's great. You know? Actually, one of my best friends lives in Cincinnati. His name is Matthew Denard. and he ah. is a big HR guy with Procter Gamble, which oh, is yeah. their big headquarters. Yeah, lots, yeah. lots, lots of businesses in uh, in Cincinnati, and it's uh, you know, uh, yeah, P and G obviously is big there. Fifth yeah. Third is big there. Uh, you know, they they, they Kroger's big there. Macy's. Uh, the okay. I mean, they've got uh, GE has a huge part of their uh, business there. Their aviation business. City there. on Seven Hills, right? Uh, I've not heard that. Well, oh, that's really? possible. Yeah. You know what? I'm still the new guy, though. All so right. I, there's a lot of things that I don't, uh, you know, uh, they call it Queen City. Uh, that's right. I hear that yeah. one a lot. And, uh, but well, Charlotte calls themselves that, too. Everyone you know calls that? them. I yeah. think a lot of more, yeah. more call themselves that. And what about Dwight Farrell? Uh, I had him on our CEO panel yesterday. He's CEO of Sorda. Do you all work with them? We do. We okay. do work with them a little bit. Well, we work with each other locally. We don't contract with them at all. But okay. we do work with, you know, we work when we when we can. And we, uh, we attend a lot of the same uh, same events and things like that. So we have a, a, a good uh, communication with them as well. So a CEO like you, like, do you have to travel a lot? Like, what, your footprint is over the whole country, so do you have to be on the road a lot? Yeah, uh, certainly North America primarily, but I do some work overseas as well, internationally. Um, yeah, I do travel uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, uh, probably, uh, you know, two weeks a month probably okay. I'm on the road yeah. generally, yeah. Um, which actually... Uh, is less less than I've done in my career, I but understand. more but more than more than uh, more than I'd like sometimes. And uh, but I, you know, there's no substitute for being on the road, and there's no substitute for being out in the. When I say that, I mean out in out in the operations, out in the systems, out talking to the clients, talking to the riders, talking to the employees. Yeah, there's no substitute for that. You never really understand the business, and you can't understand the challenges that the business has and the opportunities that the business presents unless you're out there. Right. Unless you're out there and you're and you're really you really understand what's going on, um, you can. I think you can. Uh, uh, you can find yourself if you if you stay in your office too long, you can forget what you do. Yeah. And that's not good for anybody. Uh, and I don't mean that just for this industry. I mean that for any industry. Sure. I think you have to be out. You know, you have to be out, uh, and you have to be talking to the people who are doing the heavy lifting. And so that how, is. You know, how big is first? You do all this traveling. I mean, are you over America and Canada? I am. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, so tell us about three hundred contracts. Yeah, three hundred contracts. Uh, 
throughout uh, uh, the U.S. and Canada. Okay. Um, and uh, um, we operate uh, um, all fixed route, uh, fixed route uh, uh, portion of the business. A lot of paratransit work. We do a lot of university shuttle, a lot of airport shuttle. Um, we have a BWI where I'm from. We do yeah. Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. And um, we uh, we operate uh, a fleet maintenance division where we maintain vehicles for oh, yeah. uh, all sorts of municipalities, and so we do police and fire and DPW. Really, and all sorts I didn't of know stuff. that. Yeah, it's a good portion of the business. Um, and uh, we just started operating our first rail contract in the U.S. down near Dallas in Denton County, uh, DCTA, and which Texas. is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, great place. And um, and then uh, we just started to really expand the footprint of First Transit outside of the U.S. Uh, and outside of North America. So we're, uh, aside from Canada, we got a lot of business up in Canada as well. But um, we do uh, some work down in Central America now in Panama. Really? And we're, and we're doing some work in some other places around the world and, and always uh, looking to do some uh, work in other places around the world. And, and generally, um, um, you know, the, uh, the, the beauty and the strength, I think, of First Transit I can be, I can plug, yeah, I plug my company that. for yeah, a second. Yeah. Is its diversity, the diversity in portfolio, the diversity in people, the diversity. You know that the ability to have all of uh, the different types of work that we do, um, but have uh, people who can do all, of them, people yeah. who can do all of the. You know, so they can do fixed transit. They can they understand fixed transit, fixed uh, uh, fixed route. They understand uh, uh, paratransit. They understand uh, shuttle. And we have people who are experts in all of those areas too. But as a business, we have a very, very diverse portfolio in the sense that we do a lot of different things uh, in a lot of different places. And that gives us a really, from a management perspective, gives us the ability not to be intimidated by anything. I mean, the ability to really just yeah. kind of attack any kind of challenge that comes our way and not ever be uh, intimidated in any way, uh, or, you know, or, uh, uh, you know, because we can handle it. You know, we, we, we do so much. Um, so, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a big uh, organization. And in, in first group, you know, um, you know, we have our yellow bus business, we have our Greyhound business. Anything else that kind of comes our way, so it's first group comes to transit. You know, okay. so it's a, so we really it's kind of a, um, and we've got uh, as a consequence, you know, we have just a tremendous management team, tremendous people um, that, uh, like I said, uh, really are just able to handle uh, handle all sorts of challenges. Yeah, you picked up a good one, my buddy Justin Pay. You just picked up yeah, head of business. Fantastic, great guy in the business. His dad was. My CEO at the last company I worked for. Great hire, great yeah. hire. Justin's a fantastic guy and uh, really has a good sense of, of the industry and, 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 and what's going on out there. And, and uh, um, he's a great addition to the team and he's fit right in. Good, really that's good. Right yeah. So from your perspective, to the for the public sector people who are listening, I, I know that when I got into transportation in 1987, I was not really aware that there's a whole industry of private companies because I worked for the government sure. and we ran our own transit system. Sure. So why don't you talk just a little bit as kind of an ambassador from the private sector about why should public sector folks consider contracting out? Everybody pretty much, 75% of people contract out their paratransit. But what's the value of contracting out fixed route? Yeah, yeah. well, I think there's a lot of value in it. I think I think that the... the, the the, uh, what the private sector can bring is just the, an immense amount of experience and knowledge that we can bring because we're operating all over the, all over, in many cases, all over the, you could say all over the country, but the reality is we're operating all over the world. Right. You guys and are we big can bring all, all of that. We can bring all of that to bear here. And, we, and, and what that means is that, you know, you get the value not only of someone who can operate your system well, safely, primarily safely, yeah. but efficiently. Uh, and uh, and really uh, um, uh, you know operate your system uh, well, but utilize all the tools that they've gathered from all of these other uh, parts of the world and, yeah. and all these other these other uh, uh, 
you know, these other systems. The reality of it is, when you look around, there's not, you know, there's very few things that have not been dealt with somewhere else. There's right. very few yeah. challenges that, that yeah. someone else there's has not had. There's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so someone has dealt with it already. And when you have a big organization like ours, we bring that. We also bring expertise in all sorts of different areas, you know, also maintenance expertise, uh, labor expertise, uh, you know, human resource expertise, um, you know, but just the, and, and just the, the operations, the, the efficiency, uh, the efficiency, efficient, efficiencies you can get, um, you know, the, the, the tools that we have to really drive that, you know, drive and make your system as efficient as possible. Because ultimately what you want is you want to provide the best service and the most service you can. And you want to and you want to do it as efficiently as possible, right. don't you? So efficiency normally means money, mm -hmm. right? Some people might say you know doing it at less cost. So on average, I know that when I was with Mayflower, I actually did an analysis. This was 15 years ago of how much we save you if we come in and, and run your kind. What do you think your savings are from a private sector company operating something versus public sector? Have you done any studies on that, or you know, I I think I think it's it, it can be significant. I think it, it's really on a case by case basis. Yeah. I think it depends on where on, on the system. I think it, it depends on the uh, on the situation. But I think that uh, that there's never a danger in finding out okay. the answer to that That's question fair. if yeah. you're a client. You know, right. is to look at it and say, hey, I'm operating this service and it's costing me X. If I, if I, uh, you know, because to me, we are just another alternative. Right. We're another alternative. Right. I mean, you can, you, there's a lots of different ways you can operate your system. You, you can operate it in-house and there's a lot of different ways you operate it in-house, you know, as part of, part yeah. of the, as, as part of the, the municipal government, as part of the county government, you can operate it as a separate agency. You cannot, you know, there's, a, and, and, yeah. and then you look at contracting and to me, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's very, it's very simply just another alternative. Yeah. And I think anyone um, in a position uh, to make a decision about where they're going to best spend their taxpayers' money, um, would want to look at all the uh, look at all the alternatives, and I think we are uh, an alternative that stacks up very, very well against all of the other models. And, and for all the reasons I just stated, I think that uh, you know we bring a tremendous amount of expertise uh, to the table, and uh, we can um, you know there are lots of uh, uh, there are lots of things that uh, that like I say we have. The experience and the know-how and the knowledge to bring to bear in that community that will really help. So, um, what are the challenges? So that's the positive side. What are the challenges you face as a big private sector operator, and how are you overcoming them? Are there barriers in the market, or tell us a little about your challenge? What what causes you pain as CEO <laughs> of one of the three largest transit systems? And you know, well, listen. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's any, any challenges necessarily to the provision of the service. I think that's you know that, yeah. that I don't we don't we, we don't have any more challenges than anybody else would have. You know, as far as uh, whether it's public sector or private sector okay. in that sense. Um, you know, certainly. Um, um, but uh, you know, obviously, we have uh, you know we are com competing all the time. So our work is out to bid every you know generally every five years, not always, but uh, yeah. oftentimes. Um, you know, so that is. Uh, that's uh, certainly um, you know something that we uh, you know we have that we have that uh, we have that procurement to, that we've got to deal with every every five years and look to renew that contract and uh, you know that uh, that's uh, on one I guess on one hand you can look at that as a challenge I try to look at it as an opportunity you know? you I, I look at it as an opportunity to say you know we need to be you know really um, providing our clients with everything that they want need and 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 hope for. Uh, and if we do that correctly, then, you know, they're going to renew us. And then you look at it and say, you know, our job then is to do all of those things. Right. So when it comes time for renewal, um, that they want to they want to keep you around. But uh, certainly, 
um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, that's something that's different than in the public sector. Yeah, that's good. Uh, if you can hear some background noise, it's because I'm interviewing Brad at the uh, on the second floor of our trapeze booth here on the on the expo show floor. And there's a little bit of noise in the background, but this is actually uh, I wanted to ask you about that too. Um, there's so many vendors. I've never seen a show this big. Yeah, 800 see, vendors in all these yeah. in all these floors. Um, in, in your company, do you work a lot with other partners? I know we work with you some. My company does trapeze, but like who are the, there's so many different industries here. Are you working with a lot of them? We do. We have all sorts of partnerships with uh, with you know bus manufacturers, yeah. and parts manufacturers. So you bring all that sorts of technology companies. That's yeah. because you've got some macro relationships. You can bring that to a public sector. Certainly, agency. that's something I think again that you know you talk about the benefits of a private organization. Um, you know, we have the ability, the buying power. Um, you know, you have to remember we're running 300 systems. You know, yeah. we're buying for 300 systems. You know. Um, you know, that means we're buying that many tires and that many oil filters and that many air filters and that many, you know, everything. Yeah. Uh, so our ability to purchase uh, certainly is. And, you know, like, as I say, for first, it's even more so that because we operate student and Greyhound, so we have all of those. Uh, right. So all in all, you know, we're operating about uh, 70,000 vehicles in, in North America between all three divisions. So that's a, that's a huge amount of buying power. Yeah. So, yeah. So certainly we have those uh, those relationships. Lots of relationships, obviously, with the, with the trapeze, and uh, we're starting to work now with some uh, some other technology companies uh, to work on uh, new uh, new innovation and, and things like that uh, that we're bringing to market. Good. So, um, tell me what you think. You've been in this business a long time. When did you start? What year did you start in the business? Nineteen ninety four. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, what you, from your perspective, what is the secret for a good contract? So, you you've got three hundred contracts. What's the secret sauce, from your opinion, that makes you, you know, a safe, efficient, reliable transit system with world-class customer service? Yeah. What makes that happen to you, for you? Sure. Well, certainly, I think everything starts with a good uh, local staff, good general manager. Yep. Good general manager, I mean, everyone will tell you. Good general my manager. same philosophy. Yeah, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. certainly, uh, that's important. Um, but in order to be a good general manager, you have to have really good support. You've got to have good support from the center, and that means that, uh, you know, what we want is we want the ability for our uh, uh, general managers and our staff at the location to really focus on providing the service. That's what they should be focused on, and that's yes. they shouldn't have to worry about things uh, going out at the going on at the center. Um, we really, you know, I always say we provide a service to them. You know, I'm they're my, you know, I'm 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 a resource. I'm support to the to the field. You know, that's really great. That's a good. Philosophy. And uh, it has to be there. It, it, it has to be your philosophy because uh, because the reality of it is. That's where the heavy lifting is going. You know, those guys are doing the hard work out in, out in the field, and, and uh, our, my job is to make their lives easier. My job is to make it easier for them to do their job day in and day out, so that they can really focus on providing the best, safest, quality service that they can provide. So, you know, you start with a good GM. You give them a lot of support. Um, you give them a lot of training, so they understand what's going on out there. You bring to bear all the things we talked about, which is your understanding from around the world. We're able to bring in learnings and, and, and training from all over the uh, the world. We're just uh, we were, I was just talking to one of our guys. We're bringing in uh, some new uh, safety training from our UK bus division. Wow. You know, which nice. is on uh, yeah yeah, yeah. It's, which is really uh, really great work that they've done over there uh, uh, for uh, focused on uh, uh, pass. This one happens to be focused on passenger safety when when stopping and starting uh, from uh, from uh, 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 bus stops, but. Um, you know, that's just it, 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 we do things like that all the time. You yeah. know, and and, and uh, you know, so if you can get a good quality person in there, you can support them, keep them. You know, you want them to be motivated. You want them to, to be able to really just attack their job and really do the best they can. Um, that uh, that will lead you to really um, 
what you ultimately want, which is a really great partnership right. with your client and with the community in which you operate, uh, because uh, you know that's why we do this. You know, I, I've actually been very impressed. Um, so. First Transit's been really like a cluster of mine in two places. So I was at WMATA, yeah. and I oversaw as director of operations uh, their paratransit. And then in Baltimore, where I was CEO, and one of the things I was impressed with your company about is that you weave yourself into the fabric of the community. A lot of companies don't do that. Do you, you see a value in that? We do. Not just at bid time. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. In actuality, we, we, we have a, a thing we call uh, 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 areas of expertise. Uh, where we uh, we really focus on uh, four areas of expertise. Ours happen to be uh, disciplined operations, uh, consumer engagement, uh, which is mostly uh, technology, employee engagement, which is very important. Obviously, yes. employees are everything, right? But the last one, and not the least of which, is the one that I actually uh, uh, was run, started up, which is our community engagement. It's one of the most important ones. And, and to me, it's always been a real uh, important thing. And it's just an obvious thing to me, which is that you need to become part of the community. You are, and for the most part, you know that's not that's not, that shouldn't be a stretch, right? Yeah. You should be part of the community. But a lot of companies only do it at bid time, yeah, and yeah. people see right through it. Now, I think you know the reality of it is, our, we have such good people working for working with us, and and those people are involved in a lot of different areas in the community. They're doing all sorts of work in their community, and oftentimes, um, you know, they you may not know about it, but the, the reality is they're doing it. We like to kind of bring that together and make sure that we're supporting that in any way that we can. So we, so what we do is we, you know, what what assistance can we provide? What else can we do as an organization to help you, the local team, become involved in the community? What can we do to become involved right. in the community? Um, you know, you should be involved in the local Kiwanis Club. You should yeah. be involved in the local Red Cross. You should be. Why? Because you live there. Right. Right. You, yeah. you know, that's the reality. But our people, you know, we're not. We're not uh, interlopers. We're not, you know, we're not people from, uh, you know, it, we're, we're people who live in the community. You know, yeah. we're people who live in the community. They they raise, they raise children in the community. They, they, their kids go to school in the community. Um, they do all sorts of things. And and in for a lot of in a lot, you know, for most of them, they are involved in the community already. Right. But our job as in as the uh, as the employ as the employer is to figure out how can we support them. How can we make how can we make it easier for them to do that? And how can we give them the time? And the resource that they need to go do those things because it's important to us. That's good. So we got a couple minutes left. Could you talk a little bit about what innovations you see coming to the American transit market? I'm a firm believer that transportation is probably going to have the most changes almost of any industry other than the medical field in the next 10 years. What do you see coming? Yeah, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it has, uh, uh, you know, in, it, it really has uh, seen a massive change. You know, you're, you've been around a little bit. I've been around a little yeah. bit. For a long time, there wasn't a whole lot of change. That's right. But, you know, real time, GPS, yes. changed everything, didn't yes. it? Changed everything. And I think now we're seeing kind of the second wave, which is the, which is the next thing that's going to really just transform this industry. And I think you're seeing that a number of ways. I think on the fixture outside, you're seeing it with uh, AV, uh, autonomous vehicles. Um, and uh, in that, I would include kind of shuttle work. Sure. And I think that the reality of it is, um, you know, autonomous vehicles are definitely going to have an impact on the on the uh, on the industry. I think they're definitely going to change. I think that all, you know the day will come and there will be autonomous uh, uh, vehicles running on fixed routes. Um, but I think before that happens, where you're really going to see it is, I think you're going to see it more in the shuttle uh, industry right. because I think you've got closed environments. It's a much more uh, a much more um, a, a, a much more conducive. Uh, yeah, environment to operate yeah. in, yeah, you know, and and uh, so I think you're going to see it at, uh, you know, you're, you're going to see it in airports, you're going to see it at, uh, at universities, you're going to see it on uh, corporate campuses, you're going to see it all, all, all over. I think that's where you're going to see that the first, and then ultimately, I think you are going to see it in fixed route. Um, now, you know, I always say, uh, you know, 
that can you know it, it doesn't take long. You know, I mean, the iPhone's been around for for ten years, and that changed that changed everything, right? Now, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you know, technology moves very quickly. Um, on the paratransit side, I think uh, really what you're seeing is this the, really the new model, the TNC model, this on-demand model, Yes. which I think is going to change things dramatically. You know, um, depending on what study you read, but about I'd say about three quarters of the of the group of the people who, who who travel on paratransit vehicles are ambulatory. They're able to they're able to access uh, you know uh, vehicle uh, vehicles without a wheelchair, uh, things like that. Um, you know. You know that is that is going to change because of that. The introduction of these TNC, the TNC model, and the on-demand and the availability of that uh, is going to ultimately uh, change the industry. Now, you know there are barriers to it. You know there's uh, there's certainly uh, the situation now where, where everyone's kind of trying to figure out with uh, you know background checking, right. drugging out, drug London, alcohol, DC. yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, and all of the other regulatory issues. But you know what? Um, you know, I was just reading a book about this, uh, about uh, about this uh, very thing, and um, you know, the, the punchline on it was that uh, if uh, if the industry, if the, if the community wants it badly enough, you'll, you'll be able to get over those barriers at some point. Yes. So I think those barriers will be overcome, um, and that'll be from both sides. I think that the the, the on demands will will maybe uh, compromise a bit, and the and maybe some of the barriers will will be compromised a bit, but. Um, but ultimately, it will change. It'll look different. I don't know the uh, the ultimate. Ultimately, what the total impact will be, but I can tell you that it will be changed. It will be different. It'll be different than it is today. Um, these vehicles are out there. They're available. And the fact of the matter is, uh, they're going to be utilized in some form or fashion. Um, and uh, I think our job in the industry is to figure out um, how uh, how that's going to happen and to do it in a way that we're comfortable with and that ensures. The passengers uh, uh, have safe, reliable uh, transportation. Um, but I think that if um, um, you know, to think that it's not going to have an effect, I yeah. think is 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 just uh, frankly a bit naive. I yeah. think that it's coming, and uh, we now have to figure out okay, how do how do how do how do we best introduce it, and how do we best um, well, it's you know it's being introduced now, but how do we how do we best make sure um, that we, as I say, we're providing you know safe, reliable transportation. The thing you have to remember is the passenger. Passenger. And, you know, paratransit has a, a very different uh, passenger. Uh, yes. And, you know, and, and oftentimes they're, they're vulnerable uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, and all sorts of different things. We've got to remember that. And uh, we've got to make sure that we are providing, uh, that any change in the way that we provide service um, is done with them in mind and that we make sure that we are um, we're conscious of that and that we're uh, we're going to we're going to keep that front of mind. Great way to close it out. Focus on transit's focused on the customer experience. And I think that's the big wave right now. My guest today on Transit Unplugged has been the president Brad Thomas of First Transit, one of the largest transportation companies in the world and clearly here in the United States. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Paul. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.